Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Welcome to our podcast. Today's topic is on our mastery program. I realize that some of you are aware, and many of you are not aware, of this program that's been running now for almost 20 years. It is a program that teaches both techniques and design, so it's unusual in that respect. And what has been great about the program is that I get to see people's design skills develop as well as their technical skills, and that's, uh, that's a lot of fun, helping folks uh, work on designs and work out problems in design, and that's been, uh, that's been bunches of fun. One other thing I want to point out, our, our approach to teaching is a little bit different than other schools in that um, I like to refer to our, our uh, studio as a school of thought. Uh, it's not just a way of doing work and learning how to cut a dovetail or screw a box together. It's a way of being in the world. It's, a, it's, an, it's an approach to being at the bench that is a little bit more um, full-circled, encompassing some values about handwork in today's society. So... Some of that comes through in, in my lectures as well. There are three options for accessing the mastery program. One is the local program where we meet once a week at the studio. The other is our distance mastery program where we meet three times a year for a total of 11 days of classwork per year. And those are both two-year part-time programs. The resident program is based in Portland, people come to the studio and spend 10 months uh, working on projects at the bench with our machines and uh, space uh, for that 10-month period. But all of these programs are built around the idea of learning techniques and design skills. Whether or not someone is interested in taking woodworking up as a career or as a serious hobby or just because they've been interested in it and want to take it to the next level. Whatever their, whatever their interests may be, the mastery program teaches skills in both building and creating. And that's the fun part. That's really the fun part. I had a student, uh, the first student, long ago, and um, Matt was talking about going back east to study, and I said, well, why not study out here, out west in Portland, Oregon? And that was the beginning of the program. I designed it to teach various techniques. So the first year is based heavily in hand tool use. I believe that using hand tools is the best way to learn about the material, and the feedback is so immediate when you're when you're using hand tools rather than pushing stuff through a table saw. But we do spend a, a fair amount of time that first year as well talking about milling up stock, uh, particularly for those folks who are not taking up residency in the studio. They have to go back and, and mill up material. So it's a real mixture of both hand tools and, and power tools. One of the important differences in, in our approach to uh, teaching this craft is the need for repetition. I know there are many programs out there where a piece or two is built over a one-year period. I'm a huge believer in the value of making mistakes and figuring it out and trying things again. So we build nine pieces over the uh, two-year period. The residents build seven design pieces plus bench projects. 
So there's, there's a lot of building that goes on. And the value of that is that you don't forget how to mill up lumber if you do that at the beginning of the term and don't ever get back to it until way later. In this way, people are practicing, and I think that's important. I think that's how you learn is, is by uh, doing things over and over again and uh, getting, getting better at it. So that philosophy also helps in the design phase of things because it allows us, if we're building that many pieces, it allows us to take a look at them, walk around them, make choices, make decisions about what works and what doesn't work. Because what I'm after is to help people develop a design vocabulary. And that's a huge thing um, to have in your kit of tools when you head off to the shop. You know, what am I going to build and what are the things that I like to include in a design? What are the details that, that I use to make it sing? So it's very important to be practicing that skill as well, and that's why we, we build so many, so many pieces. The pieces are uh, chosen to develop certain skills. Years ago, I had a large commission to uh, build a sideboard for a, uh, a client, and I actually never met him face-to-face, but he was, he was great. He was a great client, and I made a little gift to uh, include when I shipped a piece. And it was a little sushi box. I called it a sushi box. And I wrote an article about it for Fine Woodworking Magazine. And it looks very simple. It's a simple half-lap joint. Uh, the design is based on an idea I saw in a wonderful little book, How to Wrap Ten More Eggs, which is about 19th century Japanese package design. And there's this one little box. It looks like it's made of bamboo. And I thought, well, I, I, could, I could do that out of wood, and I could shape it. And so that was, uh, that was the genesis of this sushi box idea. I've never put sushi in one of these boxes, but that was what it was uh, originally designed for, so that's what I called it. And this sushi box project, everyone looks at and goes, well, this is going to, I'm going to knock this one out of the park. So far, the current record for attempts uh, is at, stands at 13 so <laughs> one try after another trying to get it right because although we mill up the material on machines, all the half-lap joints have to be cut by hand and then you shape into those joints. So they have to be perfect, not close, perfect. Uh, that takes some practice. It also forces people to learn how to sharpen. And that's where we begin, is learning how to sharpen our chisels, getting things sharp enough to do that kind of work, the quality of work that that deceptive little box demands. And so with that project and with all the other projects, I pick the piece and the student does the design work on it. Whatever that sushi box turns out to be, that's their, that's their idea. And that's great. There have been all sorts of variations on this, and that's so fun to see. And and then as as the year goes by, you start to see styles develop until you get to, you can put all the pieces that the students have made and put them in a room and you go, oh, that's so-and-so's and that's Kent's and that's Jamie's and that's, you know, that's Bill's. Uh, so you get a sense of someone's style over time and how they develop that style. And you also get, as a group, to see each other's work and talk about the issues that uh, have arisen. 
Um, so I think that's that's a, a real benefit, a huge value to the program is having that uh, community to uh, to talk through these ideas. Uh, sometimes I have uh, year one students overlap with year two students, and then they can share their their stories about the sushi box. As I said, nine nine projects, a sushi box, a, a small uh, frame, mirror frame, both pieces to be shaped in some fashion, whether it's shaping the joints or shaping perimeter of the piece or carving it, or there's many options that we discuss. But a basic basic frame. And then our second term, we work on a dovetail box. And I've had them as small as, ooh, like a three by four inch box that Rob made. It was sweet, sweet little box, but a tiny little thing. And then Dave made a, I don't know, six and a half foot tall uh, tool cabinet. From small to large, you're the boss, you're the designer. Can you bring it to the studio? Because the critique that starts each successive term after the first one is very important. The critiques are a chance for us to talk about issues, point out where some weaknesses may lie in a design, what what could be strengthened, what could be better. It's done in a respectful way. I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of people who have nothing on the line, so to speak, coming in and, and offering their criticism. So people can come in and sit in on a critique, but they don't get to offer any suggestions. It's only the people who have pieces for the critique that get to talk about the work. And I just insist that it's constructive, that it's not a, a situation of uh, trying to show how smart you are. Boy, you know what I would have done with your pieces? I would have done this and this and this. What we want is is a discussion that helps people understand that there are always ways, different ways of solving a problem, and maybe there's a, a better way. Uh, Dale, years years ago, was a distance student, and I, <laughs> it was so great having him in class, but he started to bring in these pieces. So um, in, uh, yeah, the first uh, part of year two, we do a, a, a bent piece. I call it a bent piece. But you can cooper some part of it, or you can steam bend it. Uh, you can do a bent lamination. And he did a coopered box, and it just sort of sat on the counter, and it looked like a bread box. It was a sweet box that, when you held it vertically, transformed it. It was no longer a bread box. It looked like this great little coopered with, uh, and the coopering was coved. So it was just completely transformed the piece. It was so interesting. And, and all my mastery students who might be listening to this are going, yeah, and he turns the piece upside down, too. I do that all the time. Because then you start looking at the proportions in a different way. Uh, you start seeing things instead of the way you've been building the piece. Yeah, this reminds me. I did a piece one time. I built a desk. I like to um, I like to work on a platform, 18 inches off the ground. So it's not being built on my bench. It's not being built on the floor. And so I built that entire piece, and it took several months. And I saw it on the ground once, just before I delivered it huge mistake. I learned a lot from that because I didn't see it the way I was going to actually see it or the way the client was going to actually see it, who loved it. But uh, it would have changed how I, how I would have designed the handles. That's all. And so flipping a piece upside down, uh, looking at it from a different perspective, I think is really valuable uh, for a designer. 
I've told the story before about how uh, the architect Frank Geary models his piece in several different scales to get a different sense of it. So large, small, medium, I don't know. I don't know what the actual numbers are. It's such a good idea to, to be able to see your piece with fresh eyes and by flipping it upside down, that's one way of doing it. And so these critiques are really valuable for, uh, for the students to, uh, to get feedback on their work. And they, they can, of course, be, be quite uh, trying for some students. After uh, a couple of years um, in our local program, Sue was just crushing the guys in class with the precision of her dovetails. <laughs> and, and they were, they were like, God, Sue, how do you, your dovetails are so perfect. They're always so good. They're always so right. And she said, yeah, I just pay attention to what's going to show, which is her little, her little trick. But yeah, she, she knocked it out of the park every time. Anyway, they're, they're a great opportunity. And so that's one of the aspects of the mastery program that I, that I really like, is working on designs and working on people's design vocabulary. Oh, let's see. So a sushi box and a dovetail box. Then there's a low bench or table. And in the third term, uh, we build a standing cabinet. Any kind of cabinet, as long as it's not wall hung. And that produces some interesting results. Um, and through that, we get a chance to work with hinges, work with a frame and panel door, perhaps, or work with a solid door. So these projects really bring up all these uh, issues for discussion throughout the, uh, throughout the meetings. And that's, uh, and that's really great. Then you get a chance to try them out. Uh, year two, we work on, uh, as I said, a bent piece, some sort of bent uh, cabinet. Rob, the master of small-scale pieces, had a, had a beautiful little, little box. I think that was Rob. With a, just a bent just a bent laminate drawer front, a wall-hung box. There have been some really fun, fun bent pieces. And we also do a table with a drawer. And so that opens up that whole world of drawer work, which is, well, quite simply, a box within a box. But uh, the world of precision is beckoning, and that's an interesting project. And we've had end tables and coffee tables and desks and all sorts of all sorts of things for that project. The fifth term has always been a chair design, which is most folks' favorite project, thinking about moving the order of things. But that, that term is about making a chair, uh, not a rocker, uh, but making a chair, uh, dining chair, reading chair, it's it's quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge, and there's been some fantastic designs, some that don't look comfortable, that uh, that just blow you away, um, and it's just such a fun piece because it's mostly air. A chair is mostly air, so you have to take away everything that is not essential. That's a challenge. So chair design is is a is a fun a fun project. And the final piece is the signature piece, pre-drawer piece. And we've had everything from standing desks, a cradle with three drawers in it, and cabinets, all sorts of, all sorts of uh, ways of, of finishing things out. So those, those pieces uh, are great fun. Along the way, we, we make a hand plane, we make a wooden hand plane, uh, we make one in brass as well. Uh, different bench projects for the residents include 
building their workbench, which is great fun, uh, making a tool cabinet for themselves, uh, a toolbox, simple things, a bench hook, a mallet, um, some some other hand tools for their for themselves. But these get people practicing, and I think that's the real key: is to get to get someone to practice these skills, get familiar with the joiner, how to use it, how to set it up, get familiar with the bandsaw, get familiar with the table saw, get familiar with sharpening and your chisels and sawing. All these things. I know there are programs out there that are survey programs. I'm thinking of one uh, overseas that uh, spends a week on one topic and then another week on another topic, and you never go back to it. And I'm, I'm trying to train people to be complete, to have a toolkit that's complete, that they can walk out and uh, take on most any project. My approach is to be working with solid stock. I like the solid feel of that, you know, that, that runs through my work. But there is a focus on, on, uh, on shaping and color and form uh, in the design work and a firm grounding in all of the techniques that uh, one might run into when building a piece of furniture. And so that's our mastery program in a nutshell. If you'd like more information about it, uh, drop me a note. I'll send you a prospectus. Um, we start every October with all three of the programs. It's been, it's been great fun. So uh, I hope you'll uh, contact us if you have some interest and uh, check out our website. We've got images of some of the mastery pieces uh, on our website, northwestwoodworking.com. I want to also alert you to some of the upcoming podcasts. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of our mastery students and uh, the paths they've taken once they've gone through the program. I'm also going to have an interview with Matt Howard, the CEO of Saw Stop Saws. You may know them as the Hot Dog Saws. That's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, check us out. And if you have uh, some questions, uh, drop me a note on uh, coffee. Is it coffee or Kofi? I don't. I don't know. But you buy me a coffee there, and uh, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thanks very much for listening. I appreciate your support. Look forward to seeing you. Take care. Bye-bye.